introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. episode of the Pocket Protectors Podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And it's been a while. It's been too long, but we got the full crew back and I'm here with two of the smartest people on all of the internet. My man, Dr. Eric Eager, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. I uh, just got back from Indy today. Uh, fun, fun week. Uh, of, of meeting people and, and hanging out and uh, yeah, man, uh, ready for the draft and, and free agency and all that stuff, all that has to offer. Are, are you now a football guy? I don't know if I'm a football guy, but I did meet some people who were football guys and they, they you know, they're not, they're a lot nicer in person than they are on Twitter. Let's just go, let's just go with that. <laughs> no, let's go with that. Let's go with that. It's because you've been doing all those crazy uh, PFF workouts now. Cause you're yeah, jacked. Hey, speaking of working out, Jason, you you ruptured your Achilles. Yeah, man, it's it's all gone. Left foot, foot slipped. So, Achilles blew up. So like three weeks ago, I was chasing down a loose ball, and I felt my calf pop. You know, like somebody like had shot the back of my leg. Yeah, and I was like legit scared. I tore my Achilles. It ended up just being like a, you know, grade whatever calf sprain, which I'm still like hobbling around. But man, like, so. It was non-contact, all that nonsense? Oh, yeah, non-contact. I drove around my guy and went to take my gather step. And like you said, felt like someone, like, kicked me in the back of the leg and uh, went down. And then, like, after that, it obviously hasn't really hurt that badly since. It's just, you know, can't use the foot. So Man. it is quite inconvenient. Well, yeah, quite inconvenient. But, I, you know, I was telling Nick before you came on, I can't complain too much. Uh, you know, here in Canada, went in. The emergency room stay was a bit long, but I already have my surgery date scheduled for Wednesday. And um, I mean, I'm not going to go broke because of it. So, you know, it sucks, but we're, the road to recovery is, is almost starting. Almost. Oh, well, but yeah. Better, better you to get the ruptured Achilles than me, I guess, given the state of yeah. healthcare. In the yeah, you can ice <laughs> <laughs> and Nick, my man, how you doing? I'm good, man. The Stefan Diggs goods this past week. Uh, what's going on with you? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm ready for football to be back. You know, you know, you know. I'm ready when I'm combing through all the Stefan Diggs highlights. I'm I'm ready to get going. But I'm I'm here. I'm healthy. I can't complain. My Achilles are intact, so uh, I'm ready to go. That's that's definitely a good thing. Those Achilles being intact, it's uh, it's what you want. Because the other way, as I said, quite inconvenient. So uh, Eric, before we jump too deep into the show. You just mentioned you just came back from Indy, rubbing shoulders with football royalty and things. Um, so I just had to, to ask you, any good stories, any funny things, anything you can share with us that won't get anyone fired? Well, our, our PFF live show, uh, which we had the other night, which was pretty fun, I got to interview uh, former uh, Broncos head coach Vance Joseph. Uh and that was an interesting discussion um, about, you know, how, what it's like to defend a San Francisco 49ers offense 
Um, that'll be up on, I think, YouTube relatively soon. But it was, it was just, you know, I got to meet Eric Bieniemy and talk to him about the, the Chiefs offense for, you know, 10 minutes or so. Um, yeah, just it's cool to interact with people. It, it's, um, it's, you know, can't give away anything about what I talked to with the teams. But, you know, the, the cool thing is that analytics and specifically PFF is sort of given some of the benefit of the doubt now. And it's so much fun to have conversations with people when the respect is mutual, you know, prior to being at PFF, I know that it wasn't that always that case. So really cool to sort of have conversations with people who, who know more about football than you do. That's really, really cool. And uh, yeah. I guess was the big data bowl there too? That was, and that I got, I was there. I was, I had meetings surrounding it. So I, I went to the, the talk uh, of the winning team and it was certainly impressive uh, and, and just kind of, you know, a fun project for people to work on. And, uh, yeah, I think some of those folks are going to get hired by teams, which, which is always a, a good thing. You know, um, you know, some of the you know, teams stacking up on, on people who are more on the quantitative side is always a good thing. I mean, I'm almost through lesson three on, uh, on my code Academy course here. Uh, I think I made it to intermediate sequel. So, you know, maybe next year for me in the, the big data bowl, maybe next year. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, just the all the NGS data is pretty interesting for sure, and and I think like we'll pro we're probably a decade away from really understanding how how it can help us fully. But uh, a lot of the you know pre solutions here are really a, a good you know fun a fun interaction. I think the the probably the 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 broad result of of most of the solutions to big datable is that running backs don't matter all that much, uh, <laughs> sort of what we do already. But that's okay. Yeah, and so that's a perfect segue into the first question that I wanted to ask you is uh, there's new drills at the Combine this year, new information. You got the big data bowl. You have, you know, the the new tracking data and all these things that are coming in. Uh, you know, not too long ago, we saw, you know, Bill Barnwell, you know, posting some things about new modeling that they're doing with the, um, you know, the, the the data that they have access to now with, with the, uh, the sensors. And um I guess my question for you is, as we do get all of this new data, these new things that we can look at, they're all really cool. And I know, especially for people like us, we like to jump in and see what all the new things are. Um, how should we incorporate all of these new things into what we already know in like a thoughtful manner where we're not just kind of chasing after the shiny new object every time we get a new piece of data or a new piece of thing uncovered? Well, I think I think we have to basically just take an ensemble of all the things we know. I mean, uh, you know, when you look at like pass block win rate, um, you know, with like from ESPN using the tracking data, you know, you get some insights from that. You also get, you know, obviously the pressure data from us. Um, so, you know, one, they're measuring sort of different things sometimes. So when you want to see, OK, what to do with that, you sort of take the aggregate of them or. You know, you look at, you know, NGS now has like a prediction of how, the probability that a player will make the all pro team in his first few years. Um, you know, we have our own projection system, uh, you know, so I think, you know, if I'm an NFL team, I'm going to take those and I'm going to weigh them, you know, pro, you know, with our stuff. You know, I, I think, you know, the great part about this space is that everybody has a voice and then, you know, you sort of take a, a an ensemble of all of them and I think you get closer to the right answer. Awesome. And then I guess last question uh, before I get into what I, what I expect to be the fun, where I just get to, to shut up and listen to you and Nick kind of uh, go back and forth on some things that uh, you've maybe staked out slightly different positions on on Twitter at some point is um, 
from the combine perspective, uh, every year it comes up. We have the combine. They they do uh, all of the athletic testing and the measurements and all of those things. Um, in your analysis, when you're looking at things and PFF is putting together the draft board and all those things, how big uh, a, a chunk or a percentage in, in, in the pie, if we're looking at it, do these metrics actually come into when we're, we're projecting these players forward? Uh, in my opinion, I think, it, well, from what I can tell, it, it, it depends upon the position. I would say combine scores matter almost no. It, it, actually, I don't even incorporate them in my models when I'm looking at quarterback play. Um, but when it comes to something like, um, you know, for edge players rushing the passer, it matters a lot. Um, offensive linemen matters, a, you know, a little bit. Um, but again, it's sort of a and it and it's sort of a black boxy thing for me. Like I don't take forty time as an actual variable. I take it as like a, a part of a principal component of the data. And you know, so with respect to that, you know, it's it's more a combination of things. It's a combination of height, weight, speed, uh, length, all that kind of stuff. And that is you know important very much so in some places and not so much in others. I think edge. Uh, rushing the passer is probably the the most you know the most acute one. So justice was right all along. He was, okay. yeah. Justice was all right. Well, let's get to it here. Uh, there's a couple things that I that I want us to talk about. I, I will give you the floor on this one first, and I feel like you know where I'm going. Um, it, it's 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 time. It's the off season, and uh, we have no money, and so uh, the conversation of whether or not we should give old Kirk Cousins an extension. Uh, continues to come up, and um, you know, Nick, you've you've come out quite strongly uh, in the camp of pay Kirk. So I would like you to uh, to make that case for me. Give me all the reasons you think uh, we 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 should pay Kirk Cousins, and uh, yeah, and then after you're done with that, we'll get Eric's position. And if uh, you know, there, there's any need for any clarification, we we can do that there. So uh, Nick, the floor is yours. Uh, why should we why should we pay Kirk Cousins? Because this is very different than uh, than kind of where you were a little while ago. Yeah, yeah. This has been some some cruel irony that ever since the Vikings signed Kirk Cousins, which I was strongly opposed to, I've continually been in the position of having to defend him. It's 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 painful. I wish it could go back to dunking on Kirk Cousins, but um, I I do think uh, he's worth extending. I think um, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. He's probably a top ten quarterback. I think if you look at him as an asset, considering his youth as well, uh, there aren't very many quarterbacks you take over him. You know, Mahomes, obviously, Russ, obviously, probably not Breeze or Brady, given their age, probably not Rodgers, maybe Dak, Lamar, um, maybe like Matt Ryan, but there's not too many guys after that. So, I mean, that's what, top 10, I think. So I, I just think someone like that, you don't necessarily let walk. Um, I would say the two biggest things looking at his play on a football field uh, that he gives you are his his accuracy um, and uh, his um, his durability to the extent we think durability is something that is stable. And, I, you know, there's different kinds of durability. There's re-injury risk, uh, which Cousins doesn't have any. And then there's also the, you know, some guys maybe roll up on themselves a little bit better than others. But um, I think the accuracy is a big thing. And then Maybe the third thing I would add, add is he just doesn't um, make mistakes with the football in his hand, um, or at least when he's throwing the ball. Um, so, and those are 
accuracy and um, avoiding bad decisions, those are the two really the most valuable things I think a quarterback can do. And they're also two of the most stable things that project, you, you know, going forward. So, um, you know, I love Jameis Winston. Uh, I, I li really like him as a quarterback, but I don't think, you know, no matter the scheme, no matter the supporting cast, you're going to you're going to be able to get rid of the boneheaded throws. Same thing with, you know, taking an accurate quarterback. You, you're never going to be able to teach, you know, um, you're never going to be able to teach um, Josh Allen how to throw the ball accurately. He's just never going to be a plus thrower of the football. Kirk Cousins, he has those two things you can't teach. Those are kind of intangibles. So I, I think those things are really valuable. I think he does obviously have um, downsides to him. He's, you know, maybe he doesn't make the bad throws with the football, but he can be gun shy with the good throws. Um, although you saw him do a lot better this year with Stefanski's offense and you saw him want to say 2016 2015 do really well in Washington with Jake Rudin um so you know you, you know you can get that kind of production out of him he's improved in his pocket presence but he's still not you know good in in avoiding the pocket and he doesn't really have the creativity that you see from guys who you know the Deshaun Watson the Russell Wilson the Lamar Jackson he's not going to be able to make something out of nothing when the play breaks down so those are all legitimate criticisms i think there are reasons to feel like, yeah, he's probably not going to suddenly become an elite quarterback. Um, he's, th what, 30 years old, 31 years old. So we, we probably kind of know what he is at this point. Maybe he gets better. You know, there are instances of quarterbacks continuing to get better. And Kirk Cousins even has, I think he's a better quarterback now than he was in 2018 or even in 2017. I think he's continually gotten marginally better. But we kind of know what he is. But I think what he is right now is somebody you definitely want to pay for. Um, I, it would, I would add just from a cap management perspective, an extension probably can buy you $10 million or more of cap space, at least in 2020, depending on how you structure the signing bonus and how, how long of a deal you want to do it. It's kind of curious how long, what kind of deal Kirk Cousins would be looking for. Last time he took a short three-year deal because he, he kind of gets to double dip. And, you know, with, with a quarterback, you know, you want to be able to sign as many extensions as possible because then you, you're not getting... You know, you're not in the fifth year of your deal being, you know, well, the, the price of quarterback has gone up so much. You're kind of um, the inflation hasn't hit your contract. So you're a little underpaid. Um, but maybe at, at this point, you, you kind of want to have a little bit more security because you don't know where you're going to be at, you know, 35 years old or something. So maybe we're looking at a, at a longer deal in any case. I think, you know, with the way they structure it, it can give you some more cap rooms that you can maybe build up the offensive line, look at a free agent there, build up the defensive tackle position they have two big holes there and i don't think there's you know there's only so many draft picks and so many day one starters you can pick up on on draft day so um i do think based on the things that we know project best going forward that kirk cousins is the kind of quarterback you probably want to invest in even though you know that you could do better so that's my case all right and that is that is a very compelling case just a few things that i have to say before i pass it over to eric first thing Flamus, he got his eyes fixed this offseason. He also played through some injuries last season. So we're going to see a new and improved Jameis going into next year. The Jameis slander will not be tolerated on this year's podcast. He may break all of the records next year. But Eric, over to you. So Nick laid out a very compelling argument as to why Kirk Cousins would be um, extended. But one of the things that you sometimes will say uh, maybe tongue-in-cheek, but there's also some truth, too, when people start to lay out, you know, all the things Kirk Cousins needs for him to be successful, and people will be like, 
well, if we just get a left guard, then everything's good. And to, to summarize your position, you basically said, you know, if we get to the point where we're saying we're a left guard away, you're really actually a quarterback away. So if you could kind of you know, help me understand, you know, some of the trouble potentially you could be setting yourself up for if you're the Vikings and you do extend Kirk Cousins to that big money deal. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the issue is, is that when, okay, when you watch the Vikings this year, you realize that there were a lot of things that were very positive about what happened. I mean, uh, Kevin Stefanski called plays well enough to earn a head coaching job. Um, you know, Stefan Diggs had one of the, one of the greater, you know, wide receiver seasons of, of anybody in the NFL this season, uh, despite low volume. Dalvin Cook played really well. The defense, you know, held up again. Uh, schedule was relatively easy. And ultimately, when push came to shove, you know, there were, there were small problems that, you know, people are convincing themselves of the reason um, that the Vikings couldn't, you know, make the NFC Championship game and eventually the Super Bowl. And my argument is that if that's the case, you're you're just not good enough at the position that matters the most to win the Super Bowl. You look at, you know, Kansas City, for example, you know, their their left guard during the, the Super Bowl was a guy they signed in November. Um, you know, their center is a, a former seventh round pick of the a Washington breadsticks. Uh, you know, their right guard played terribly this year. Uh their their left tackle was was out for eight games. Uh and, and you know, you know, he came back and, you know, was okay, just okay, and the defense isn't particularly good. But you have the classic advantage player in Patrick Mahomes, and all of a sudden, none of that crap matters. Um, you know, even when you look at you know Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers, which I think is a, a fairly good barometer um, for what the Vikings are capable of. A lot of stuff went perfect for the 49ers this year, and ultimately, you know, the the fact that their quarterback had limitations was the reason they didn't win the Super Bowl, in my opinion. So, again, like. We got when all when the big question can be solved, and that big question being, can you know you get an offensive coordinator and a quarterback playing really well together, and it's still not good enough? Then it, to me, it always comes back to the limitations at the QB position. And I I agree wholeheartedly with Nick's assessment of Kirk Cousins. My thing though is, is that really what the Vikings and their fans want? Do the Vikings and their fans want a competitive team that ultimately is going to hit their head on the ceiling, you know, a la Alex Smith with Kansas City? Or are they going to want a team that is, sure, has a higher probability of busting, but a, a, ultimately a, a better than puncher's chance of winning the Super Bowl? And I think if you go with Cousins, you you make that chance smaller. And, and that's and you ultimately start blaming it on small things like left guards and centers and, and nickel corners and stuff like that. But, you, you know, the, the the fact that you can open yourself up to that discussion is almost entirely uh, because the quarterback isn't good enough to win the Super Bowl. So, Nick, uh, given what Eric has said, what, what, what are your thoughts there? Because when I look at San Francisco, and that's where I, I, I get kind of caught up or, or it, it makes this a, a difficult discussion to me, is that when I look at things for Kirk, I think he played – amazingly in 2019 i think he probably played the best you know season of his entire career so that makes me nervous because i don't know if it's likely for him to you know repeat that level of play especially with the person who was calling plays for him not there but i look at san francisco and their situation i feel like was about as good as it was going to get for a quarterback in the kirk cousins tier so when we look at the vikings their situation uh, I guess, Nick, what are your what are your thoughts on like the likelihood of our being able to create an environment that is similar to the one that San Francisco had 
that would get us, um, yeah, into that, that, that top tier and then potentially be able to, to get Kirk over the hump, um, based on our own merit and not necessarily some other teams kind of falling back to us based on injury or some other things out of our control. Yeah, I mean, it's unlikely, but it's unlikely for every team, right? You know, there's 32 teams. So, you know, if everybody won a Super Bowl, a new a new team won a Super Bowl every year it would take you 32 years. And, you know, most teams are, you know, much less than a 3% chance. So I just kind of look at it, you know, right now, marginal costs, marginal benefits. You know, with Kirk Cousins, maybe you have a, you know, and the you know Vikings have a slightly above average talented roster, you know, maybe a 5% chance of winning the Super Bowl. Uh, each year with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. Now, if you had Patrick Mahomes, you know, certainly you'd be looking at, I don't know, maybe like a crazy high percentage, like 10, 15% or something. But that still means that like, you know, you could go a decade without winning the Super Bowl and it wouldn't be, you know, that a, a big probabilistic, um, you know, weird sampling or anything like that. That can happen. So you just have to, my, my opinion is you got to, you know, maximize your window as much as you can. And I think, Moving on from Kirk Cousins, there's a very good chance you wind up, you know, for the next five, ten years being looking at one, two percent, less than one percent chance of winning a Super Bowl going forward. And so, you know, there's a chance, you know, you hit on, you know, the next Patrick Mahomes, but there's just so many other guys who really put you in a position to have a zero percent shot at winning a Super Bowl in the immediate future. And, you know, I, I kind of get the the perspective of either you're good enough or you're not good enough, but I also think the luck just plays such a huge part in who wins the Super Bowl. I mean, like Nick Foles won the Super Bowl, what, two years ago by all of a sudden turning into one of the best playoff quarterbacks ever and then just immediately turning back into a pumpkin thereafter. So just weird stuff happens, man. And you kind of just, you, you hope you build a talented roster, but it's kind of just hope, you know, building the the best shot you got and going at it and hoping the stars align because, you know, for any team to win the Super Bowl any year, it takes a heck of a lot of luck. Yeah, I mean, I think the comeback to that, which is difficult to do, to, um, yes, I agree with that. I think, I think the, the cousin certainly gives the Vikings a better than one in 32 chance and, and a, be, a far better than, than, uh, even money chance to make the team competitive. The whole, the issue though, and I, and I agree with the Nick Foles thing sort of is, um, is an important thing to show, but you know, the, they were the one seed, right? And they, they, you know, they had, they had home field advantage of the playoffs and, you know, in many reasons, because they took a chance and traded up and got a quarterback in Carson Wentz, who, you know, is that franchise guy and, you know, teams like that. So you look at Kansas city, you look at new England, you know, with Brady, you look at Philadelphia, um, maybe now Dallas, although I'm not exactly sure I want to completely crown Dak Prescott, but you know, the, the teams that have that franchise quarterback, that top five guy, their Super Bowl probability is basically constant year to year. The Chiefs are going to be basically the favorite to win the Super Bowl from the AFC for the next five years, no matter what happens, unless Mahomes somehow gets hurt or regresses. Whereas the Vikings, like our, our opinion of Kirk Cousins last year at this time is entirely different and entirely dependent upon a lot of things. Um, and my question, if I'm a Vikings fan and if I want, and if I want, you know, to, to think about what's going to happen at the quarterback position is how many things does Kirk Cousins depend upon to be even in that area of being a 5% chance to win the Super Bowl? And can I replicate that with a, with a quarterback in, you know, somewhere in the first round, uh, who's being, who's making a lot less. 
and and what is the probability that that first round quarterback ends up being a Mahomes? And is all of that risk profile worth it? Because you know we we're we're, we're really talking about Kirk now at sort of the top of the market. And is it really smart to do that given how much he's going to cost relative to the Dax and the Mahomes who are going to get in probably possibly Deshaun Watson who are going to get the contracts this year? All right, last word to you, Nick. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point, and I think you have to look at it. That's really the decision we're making here is it's it's not pie in the sky. It's do you draft a quarterback um, for a second round or do you stick with Kirk Cousins and use that draft capital somewhere else? Um, personally, I don't – you know, obviously Kirk Cousins is going to be very expensive to extend. It's going to take up a big chunk of the cap, maybe like, what, an eighth of it or something, so each year. Um, that's a lot, but at the same time, the value of a quarterback is worth a lot more than an eighth of your cap every year. So. Yeah, it's nice to have like some extra space from a rookie contract, but it's it's also better to have a good quarterback, which we know Kirk Cousins is. Um, I think in terms of drafting a quarterback, so much of it comes down to who the specific quarterback is. If there were a chance for the Vikings to like trade up for Tua, if something somehow magically happened there, he fell for some unbeknownst reason. Um, yeah, I think the Vikings should spring for it because that's the kind of quarterback who I think could could elevate the team but you know if it's if it's Jordan Love I don't know that's a that's a tougher proposition and I know people make the Patrick Mahomes comparison but you're there's pretty different college seasons from those quarterbacks or uh, Herbert or someone else I just I don't know if I see it and I kind of think like you know maybe Kirk Cousins it's more likely than not that he doesn't win a Super Bowl as a Viking but he probably gives you a better shot than moving him on and going to Jake Fromm or wherever you want so yeah the the old my only comeback is if you know, you think about the Bengals uh, and, you know, we all think about Andy Dalton probably, you know, Andy Dalton's not as good of a quarterback as Kirk Cousins, but in a rookie contract with a good team and that Bengals team, I think is similar to this Vikings team. Um, you know, they, they were at least, you know, they, they, they got about as far as the Vikings a number of times, but I agree with you. And, and in terms of the fans, you know, being a fan of the team and being, you know, or just being a franchise that wants to stay relevant. I mean, the fact of the matter is the Vikings fans gave their team or the Vikings gave their team and their fans one of the best playoff games they've ever had in franchise history this last year. Right. And they had a good season. Uh, it could have been better, but you know, ultimately like it was an entertaining year. And and that's something you have to consider. If you go with a quarterback and he's terrible, you're not getting those seasons. Right. Um, but if you go with cousins, you may never get that, that elusive Super Bowl ring that you've wanted for, you know, all these years. So it, it's a really tough question. And, um, yeah, that's why they that's why the GMs and the head coaches and all those folks make the big bucks. All right, Eric. Well, I'm going to ask you a question. I think it'd be a little bit easier for you because it is the other extension that people are talking about. Dalvin Cook. What should that look like? Should the Vikings pay him? And I guess the next part of that, what is the most you would pay him? Yeah, well, that, that was a, it was a good discussion because somebody was talking about uh, Derrick Henry as well. And when these guys you're talking about multiplying their salary by 10 um you know if you if they get high you know the uh, top end of the market deals and i just i just think we can't do that especially when you look at alexander madison and how effective he was as a uh, bottom end of the third round pick out of boise state um you know somebody tweeted out the other day you know the chiefs were talking to zach moss the other uh you know in an interview and somebody was like well think about how much zach moss could eat in kansas city's offense and i'm like the corpse of LaShawn mccoy eight in Kansas City's offense. Damian Williams, eight in Kansas City's offense. He should have won the Super Bowl MVP. Um, and, and 
I, I don't know if that's necessarily true about Cook, you know, if he could be easily replaced. Um, but I, but I don't know. I think we overestimate how sensitive the Vikings offense is to the play of Dalvin Cook. I mean, Cook was great in 2018, uh, and that offense wasn't particularly effective. You know, the, the best stretch of time the Vikings had, you know, as an offense was when Kirk Cousins played outside of his mind in those October games. Um, you know, Cook's basically been as good as he's been the entire time, and that offense has fluctuated in their, in their ability to score points and be efficient. So uh, I know it's not popular, but, you know, fact of the matter is, is Adrian Peterson and Dalvin Cook have the same number of playoff wins as a starting running back as Latavius Murray. So, you know, you, you, you have to think about what's going to make the team successful and not necessarily what's, you know, the most beautiful thing to watch, which is Dalvin Cook running the football. Okay. And Nick, because uh, you, you have, you know, let us know that, you know, the Vikings are, uh, you know, they, they are quite a bit better with Dalvin Cook on the field, uh, some different things that you've shared. So what is your rebuttal to what Eric has said? I don't know if I would rebut any of that necessarily because I'm similarly, <laughs> I, you know, you're not going to hear me saying that running backs matter very much or that they move the needle. Um, Dalvin Cook is maybe the rare exception in that he, uh, he does some things that make him, you know, I would say when he's healthy, and that's a big caveat with Dalvin Cook, but I would say when he's healthy, he might be the best pure runner in the NFL. And he does a lot with the ball in his hands. You know, the Vikings had the number one screen game in the NFL um, almost entirely because of how electric Dalvin Cook is with the ball in his hands. You know, he avoids a missed tackle throughout his career, I think, once every four touches, which is, you know, that's top of the, that's top of the barrel, and that's something that just also is pretty consistent year to year. Um, and it was something you saw uh, at Florida State as well. So he gives you something. And then that there's also a lot of tackles that, you know, don't go down as avoided tackles or missed tackles, but just ways he makes guys miss or sets up himself for extra space. So um, he, he's certainly a guy you look at on film or you look at um, what he does for the offense and you can sort of understand where, um, you know, where uh, the Vikings are coming from and thinking that this guy is somebody worth um, paying like one of the top running backs, but there's just one, there's just so many examples of running backs being overpaid. I mean, you just, you look at, you know, over the cap, who's the top paid running backs in the NFL. And it's just a graveyard of mistakes. It's Todd Gurley. It's, it's, um, Jarek McKinnon. It's, um, just a whole laundry list of guys who are like, man, that did not turn out so well done. David Johnson. So, um, and then you just look at the opportunity cost. You know, Alexander Madison, I think, had about the same average yards per carry as well. So um, especially in this outside zone scheme, you kind of just need somebody who can has that burst, has that speed to hit the edge and has the vision to hit that one cut and go. And Madison has that. Heck, Mike Boone has that. You know, Amir Abdullah has that. So I think they can really um, it's a scheme that will produce regardless of who the running back is. And Dalvin Cook may be produces a little bit extra, sets up his blocks a little bit better, does a, a, gets a little bit more yardage after the catch with how explosive he is and how elusive he is. But at the same time, that's just not worth, you know, $15 million a year. It might not even be worth $10 million a year, considering that you can just go to Alexander Madison and use that $10 million on, you know, a defensive tackle who can actually generate some pressure. So, um, you know, I, I guess that's my way of saying I kind of understand that the Vikings are probably going to pay him big money, and I get why they're doing it. I will still probably think it's not the best use of resources, but but I, I guess I get it. I love it. that. Great analysis, a little Shamar shade. It's what we come here for. It's what we like. It's what we... <laughs> graveyard, graveyard <laughs> Shamar, of mistakes. No, he's not. 
I, I love Shamar, but he's just he he had zero pass rush production. So. Graveyard of mistakes is one of the greater phrases we've ever had on the show. <laughs> uh, rapid fire, Eric first, then Nick. What is the most you would feel comfortable paying, like uh, a running back in Dalvin Cook's talent range? I would pay him seven and a half million a year. Okay, Nick. I wouldn't want to go above okay. ten million. All right, so rel- relatively, relatively close, and uh, I'm guessing Dalvin's going to want quite a bit more than that. So, uh, yeah, yeah. The one other thing that's an issue with Dalvin is, in addition to the injuries, is he's got a pretty consistent drops issue. I don't know what it is, and it's, a lot of it is like kind of easy catches, you know, like swing passes that'll just sail through his hands. Um, but that's like concerning, especially when you compare him to like Christian McCaffrey, who like has like one career drop or something, which is pretty crazy considering he's almost like a receiver. So, uh, you know, he has he has issues with staying healthy, he has issues with doing the one thing where running backs can actually be pretty valuable, which is as a receiver. So there's just and then, you know, we've seen some fumbles as well crop up. So those are all the kind of things that make you want to steer clear a little bit or buyer beware. So I just I don't know. I I. I'm concerning that this could be a lodestone around the Vikings going forward. All right. Well, gentlemen, we did it. We made it through all the things we wanted to make it through. And so my last question to each of you here, uh, Eric, what is the most important position for the Vikings to be better at that is not quarterback as we head into this offseason? I think it's a tie. I think it's wide receiver and defensive back. Okay. And Nick, did Eric steal your answer? Yeah, I was just going to say cornerback. I mean, the cornerbacks were so much worse last year than we we're used to, and they really need to to turn it around if they're going to want to be competitive going forward. Just so much coverage matters so much. So, and last year safeties were great, but it's, right now it sounds like Ant is going to be leaving. So they've got some big holes to fill if they're going to want to return to the playoffs. Well, yeah, and J. Ron Curse is well, yeah, J. Ron Curse, Mackenzie Alexander, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Wayne's are all all being <laughs> uh, you know, on the free agents on the free agent market. I mean, we might see and that and that's really where the Dennis Green Vikings uh, and then ultimately the Leslie Frazier Vikings uh, you know, that's where they started to hit the skids. I mean, when they cut Antoine Winfield after twenty twelve, that was a that was a that was the start of uh, some suck for them, you know. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what they what they end up doing uh, at that position. Yeah. So that that's that, that'll that'll actually be the last question for the show, Eric. Which of the uh, the cornerbacks? We'll just stick with the cornerbacks. Which of the cornerbacks that were here last year do you see being back as we get into next season? Well, I. I I would certainly hope that they go with with Alexander just because I think he'll he the league hasn't caught up to the market value of a nickel corner that can play really well. Uh, and and Alexander, you know, he had a slow start to his career, but certainly played well uh, down the stretch. And so I think, you know, if you if you pay Trey Waynes, I think he's going to get Tremaine Johnson money and might end up being as bad as he was for the Jets. And so I would go with I would go with Alexander as my hope. Uh, and I think that that might be the the player they buy into awesome and how about you nick i think it'll be wayne's just because i think you know mac wants to play outside and he's kind of a we use him as a nickel i think he could do a good job if we wanted him on the outside and i honestly i would be willing to pay him outside money more than i'd be willing to pay trey wayne's but i think it'll be i think mac is gonna walk and i think it'll be trey wayne's coming back boom there we go well uh 
Eric, anything that we should be on the lookout for other than your wonderful interviews from the combine? I think I'm going to do a little bit, a few more draft profiles. I, I sort of built a system for, you know, internally, but also uh, for the teams and stuff, you know, helping project college to pro. And I, I did a, a piece on uh, Isaiah Simmons and Anthony Gordon two weeks ago. This last week was Andrew Thomas and Chase Young. Uh, I'm not sure who I'm going to write about this week, but I'll probably do a couple of those profiles a week. So, um, but yeah, man, uh, just uh, again, looking forward to free agency. Looking forward to the draft. Eric out here watching film, man. It's a it's a it's a brave new world. It's yeah. crazy. Great. <laughs> and how about you, Nick? Other than uh, all the Stefan Diggs, anything else we should be looking out for? No, I, off season for me is like true vacation for me from football world. So right now I'm just recuperating. I don't know. Sometimes I'll log into Twitter and see my pin tweet about Stefanski and be like, I should probably write something that's more current, <laughs> but. I'll wait. I'll wait till the muse strikes me. So. Awesome, awesome. Well, gentlemen, it is good to be back. Uh, yeah, listeners, thanks for sticking with us. And uh, yeah, I think we're back. We're back in the swing. Football things are happening. Free agency, combine, all that wonderful stuff. So we'll be back. We'll be talking to you. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's all. Have a good one.